Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, I um, want to open up today asking for your commentary on, on the state of sovereign debt levels across the globe, uh, and more specifically, the risk of default that we are facing. Yeah. Uh, simply put, it's happening real time. It's something we've talked about for several weeks now, which is a combination of both the, the energy crisis and the inflationary conditions and the fact that the U.S. is trying to address its inflationary pressures by increasing the strength of the dollar and exporting our inflation to the rest of the world has accelerated the sovereign debt crises that we're going to develop over the rest of this decade. And unfortunately, you know, we've, we've seen it come to fruition in, um, in the UK in the last 24 hours, but the crisis really kind of began in earnest last week for the UK. So, um, I, look, I think I would characterize it as we're still in the first inning. Um, we're kind of probably exiting the first inning because now we can acknowledge it, we can note it. Um, as a firm, we've been starting to monitor credit default swaps across the globe at the country level and uh, also within some of the larger banks, financial institutions, and, and other entities, including industrials, whether that's Ford or even in the case of SoftBank. There, you know, there's a lot of elements out there that shows that systemic, systemic credit risk has been increasing and that counterparty risk has increased meaningfully. Um, not people shouldn't be as nervous and as concerned necessarily as what we were during the GFC. It's just very different when you go through a sovereign debt crisis versus uh, a crisis or a debt issue within the private sector because the private sector can't print uh, money to deal with illiquidity and dislocations in markets. So expect a very different response. You need to behave differently as an investor, but um, we're definitely, we, we've started the process for sure. Uh, and in your response there, you, you mentioned uh, England, specifically Bank of England. Um, we saw yesterday that they've begun to restart uh, quantitative easing. Yeah. You know, wh what do you think this means for the global market? And perhaps is this a positive sign or a positive signal for risk assets? Yeah, it, it it's going to be hard to use generalities as as far as whether this is positive or negative. I think it's an indication that the underlying assumption that countries don't go broke via austerity is probably a pretty good thesis. Um, and so it's positive in the sense that you know, credit markets and equity markets were seizing up beginning last week, and we've gotten the liquidity to get us through this soft patch. And we'll discover that you know the margin calls that started last week within the UK market quickly became a systemic event. Um, and there's, there's no question that counterparties and recourse risk was elevated and it forced the BOE's hand overnight to start injecting liquidity and provide that relief. Um, so that's a positive and you're seeing it in risk markets today. At the same time, it, it's, a, it's a negative in the sense that those losses are now have to be recognized by the institutions that are selling guilt to the Bank of England. And so there's a lower capital base going forward with which to invest, and those losses need to be made up. And to the extent this is in the, uh, the pension funds, it'll be made up 
by diverting liquidity away from the real economy and, and back into risk assets. So it, it, it's not necessarily um, a positive thing over the medium to long term. We'll get some near-term relief in equity markets. Fear will dissipate. Maybe volatility will decline. But you know, this is, like I said, this is just a very incremental step and more recognition that we have an issue. Um, I, I think it's worth highlighting that when we look at the U.S. dollar and the strength we're seeing, but the U.S. dollar chart's starting to go parabolic. And anytime that happens in any asset, uh, whether it's a commodity, an equity, we've seen it with GameStop for uh, more recent memory. We've seen it in commodities in the past. We saw it in silver probably about 10 years ago. Um, look, that's something to be sold. And you never know where it's going to stop, and the dollar could peak right here. But the selling of the dollar is going to change the dynamics within capital markets quite dramatically. So investors just need to be very careful. Don't, don't try to make general assumptions, um, and don't be surprised by headlines for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I know we did touch on the U.S. dollar last week. I think it's worth revisiting a bit here. You just described the U.S. dollar chart as parabolic. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the signs continue to, to point towards strength and that transpose inflation on a global basis that, that you mentioned, again, you know, earlier this, in this conversation today. Um, do, the question here is, you know, do you believe that this is the direction that the U.S. wants? And then further, what are the implications of, of transporting uh, inflation on a global basis? Yeah, yeah look, it, it's what the U.S. wants shorter term and I think what the Fed is trying to do is front load the tightening of financial conditions to absolutely break uh, medium-term inflation expectations. Inflation's peaking, disinflationary pressures are building. The markets are signaling that. Uh, they're signaling it with the inversion of the U.S. interest rate curve. They're signaling it in commodity prices because they're collapsing. They're signaling it in equity markets as we're seeing weakness in, in commodity-driven asset markets and, and commodity-driven sectors. Um, so, look, the inflation's peak. The question is, will the Fed be forced to reverse course, in which case we would then have to reaccelerate inflation expectations and create an even bigger problem long-term for the Fed. So I think the Fed's bark is worse than its bite right here. It doesn't mean we're not going to cause real damage. I think um, the Fed is hell-bent on breaking things. Um, it serves their interests from lowering inflation expectations. As we've said, they really need to get the yield curve lower. The, don't think for one second that just because we have U.S. dollar strength and the U.S. is able to be a large energy producer that our U.S. Treasury won't follow directly in the, in the same path that the Bank of England's in. They certainly will if we stay at these levels for an extended period of time. So near term, this is exactly what the Fed wants. A strong dollar export inflation to the rest of the world doesn't hurt that it puts real pressure on our geopolitical enemies. It doesn't hurt that it reminds the world that the dollar is king when we see the BRICS trying to launch a coordinated currency in order to fund uh, inter-country trade between themselves and others. Um, so yeah, near term, this is what the Fed wants. Longer term, we'll see. Look, the, the Fed is in an interesting battle of lowering inflation expectations but still remaining in a position to fund the sovereign. And, and quite frankly, you know, they're going to have to deal with their own losses 
near near term enough. But what the Fed needs to do is cause enough economic pain such that restarting QE is less of a political risk than reaccelerating inflation. So if the pivot, if the Fed pivoted today and restarted QE to bring down mortgage rates from 7% back to 5 and to bring the treasury curve from 4% back below 2, you would see a significant jump in inflation expectations. You would see a significant move higher in commodities, a move lower in dollars, and politically that's not acceptable. It poses a risk to the party in charge, and the Fed is always and will always be a political entity, and it will pose a real risk to the Fed's uh, standing politically. And don't think for one second that the Fed is every bit as much at risk over this political crisis that will develop from these inflationary conditions and the sovereign debt crisis as anything else. So they want to create the conditions where there's sufficient pain that politically it's acceptable to reaccelerate inflation, hopefully from lower levels, to deal with the economic consequences of tighter liquidity conditions and sell-off and risk assets. So you know, it, it, they're in a difficult spot. But yeah, they're, what's happening right now is exactly what they want to see happen. Good. All right, good. I think that's a good spot to stop for today. So thank you. Um, we'll be off next week. Some travel heading up our way, but we'll be back uh, before you know it. So thank you, Chris. We'll you talk bet. soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson strategies.